Welcome to the Always On Podcast. I'm your host, Duncan McPherson. And on this podcast, our objective is to enable our audience, which are high caliber, high performing fee for service professionals to always be working on their business and on themselves personally and professionally. And to that end, on today's podcast, I had a great, truly great conversation with Matt Cardella, a very well-rounded and successful financial professional at Raymond James in Hinesville, Georgia. We covered a lot of ground, primarily in this episode. We discussed, and, and this is through the lens of Matt and his team, and also their clients, how they achieve professional contrast, how they rejuvenate relationships, and how they ensure that they focus on why financial independence matters to their clients, and how to ensure that their clients fully appreciate how Matt and the team gets those clients to financial independence. It's very, very dynamic chat. Hope you like it. And if you like this podcast, please like and share, tell your colleagues. And as always, if you have any ideas for topics or themes you'd like to hear on this podcast down the road, just let us know. Thanks for listening. One of our business advisors, Jeff Ambrose, insisted that I have one of his clients, a client of Pareto Systems, uh, on the Always On podcast to help our audience view through the lens of a financial professional who's striving to elevate their business. And I had a initial conversation with Matt Cardella just in advance of this conversation and it validated everything Jeff said to me, and I'm really glad that you're here to have this chat with us, Matt. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Be fun. I'll be looking forward to it. Jeff, Jeff is awfully kind. I, I think about it. Jeff. It's not Jeff's fault that he's from Boston. He just thinks that every, he thinks just the way that I, if any, because of the way I talk, he thinks that everything I say is smart. <laughs> and it's just his upbringing. So we, we'll, we'll fault him, but thank you. We'll, we'll, he's, he, He's awfully generous. Okay, so our challenge is to make this conversation interesting to our audience. I've been saying for years that the financial services professionals who like us the most need us the least, meaning everything's fine with their business, life is good, but they know that there's more there. So... I guess right out of the gate, Matt, what is it that prompted you to engage with Pareto Systems? Did you have some specific unmet needs or some gaps that you were aware of that you wanted to address? What launched this? Duncan, I've worked with lots of coaches over the years. Some excellent experiences, some okay, some not as good, but a friend of mine who's in the business had very good uh he had, he had success with y'all and he said matt if you try anybody else you need to make sure his business had gone to a next level after working with y'all he said try this and so I, I i did only 10 years after he told me initially to do it and uh and so at any rate i did and uh i knew that we had more and when i say i knew that we had more we always want to improve and who doesn't? I mean, if you're, some people are wired for that improvement idea. I, I, I guess some people aren't, if they're not, then they probably shouldn't be. <laughs> they probably should. They probably, they probably wish they were all that hot air is to tell you, we knew that there is more. We're just sometimes not sure about how to get to the next place. And one thing that I have learned over the years is to, there are technicians who do a great job at their specific uh, specific area of expertise and you're a very you're a fool if you don't hire if you don't hire the expert you're a dummy if you try to figure it out yourself now nah, you might do it but all education is very expensive and i don't have time at this juncture to become that well educated 
and y'all are the pros. And so at any rate, we got to that place knowing, and we've had excellent experience with Jeff. He's a, he's a, he's a good fellow and a smart guy. And, and, uh, and uh, we've enjoyed it very much. Well, I agree with that fully. And uh, just backing up 10 years, I mean, you don't want to rush into things, right? You want to be methodical. You know, I'm very, and... I'm very deliberate, Duncan. Very, very deliberate when we consider. So, <laughs> well, we could probably have a interesting conversation about the law of diminishing intent because I know we all get prompted with ideas and insights, and uh, we don't always jump on that right out of the gate. But I mean, if it's lingering, then we just sort of wait for the stage of readiness, and then we take action. But uh, I'm really glad you're here. Uh, now, when you say more, that's very personal. I talked to an advisor at a conference over the weekend, and his idea of more was more personal time, more personal fulfillment, the permission to stop putting things off around his personal life because he was all consumed with his business, his team, his business was growing. And uh, he wanted the liberation that came from the order of best practices and process within his business so he could go and pursue things. We had a very meaningful conversation about um, how time seems to accelerate as we get a little bit older. So that was his version of more. What specifically was your version of more? More what? That's, that's interesting that you say how personal that is. And more is more is a very broad brush to paint with. When I think of the more, I think about it in terms in the in the business term. I want to be a bigger, I want to be a bigger part of my client's life in a more meaningful way. So when I think about that, but this is a very intimate business if that's how you approach it and how your client approaches it. They they don't have these types of relationships with other professionals most of the time. This is a very intimate and very and very personal relationship. And I know that there are things that we could be helping them with that even if they'd worked with us for many years, they may not have known that we were experts are experienced in that field. And so being able to being able to do more for them in a personal way as that relationship has has developed, that's one of the mores. We I also am from a being a technician, I like to do more technical work. So I love to help people retire and that's great. Those cases that are much more complex we're good at that. How do we make sure that we're positioning and positioning ourselves where other people, our centers of influence, our great friends who are CPAs and attorneys and other business people, how do they know that we excel in those areas if our office staff doesn't even know how to communicate it, if I don't know how to communicate it? And so that that seven pillars idea and all the other pieces that Jeff has helped me with it helped me to identify those things that we want to do the more, the things that we're good at the more, and then how to how to essentially to bring those to market and bring those to bear with the people that we help. That is such a great answer. I couldn't have asked for a better response. And you're you're absolutely right. I think it is worth reminding everybody about the uniqueness of the relationship between a financial professional uh, along with his or her team and their clients. And you're right. I mean, there are other service providers, accountants, lawyers, and on it goes, tend to be more transactional or situational, not as fluid and dynamic as this relationship. Now, I'm curious that eureka moment you had around more meaningful client engagement, where did that originate? Was that prompted by the debacle of this last three years and that disruption? And did your clients start sort of opening up more, bearing their soul more? 
Was it demographic based on your client's reality about how their life is becoming more complex? Where did that come from? Oh, all of those. The most specific place that that came from, Duncan, was I know what kind of work that I like to do the best. I feel like I know where I am the very, very best, which types of which types of clients I work best with, which types of family relationships I work best with. I wanted to be able to focus on those specific areas that I do the best and that I enjoy the most because at the end of the day, I love to help my clients retire. That's a great, great idea. But what do we do in addition to that? How do we make sure that if something happens to them from a health standpoint, how do we make sure that everything that they had planned on having happened, had they been healthy, how do we make sure it still happens? How do we make sure that they got connected up? And this is a bad, I don't want, I'm not picking on lawyers here. Please don't misunderstand, even though sometimes they're, they're good joke fodder, but, but, but they, they, they always tell the best lawyer jokes. My point is every attorney learns how to do a will when they're in law school. Every attorney has the software in their word processor at their office to do a will. So just because they can do a will, does that mean that they should do a will? Not necessarily, because sometimes their reluctant or their expertise may not be in a more complex situation but maybe they don't have the, the experience in what happens if they don't do a great job on that for the client. Because guess what? If they don't do a great job on it, nobody's going to come back to them and say, hey, why didn't this work right? They're going to come to Matt Cardell and they're going to say, hey, man, <laughs> we, we, we wanted to make sure that was happening. And my dad died and the documents that the lawyer did for us, they didn't really do what we wanted them to do. I can't think of a more cringeworthy moment to have than having a moment like that. I mean, and, and, and not that the attorney didn't do the job, but did they do the job that the client needed to have happen? So in working with that expert who I have confidence in to do exactly what the client has, has expected, that's my job. How do I vet them? How do I cultivate that relationship? CPA, same song, second verse. They, a CPA can do a tax return. You don't even have to be a CPA to do a tax return. Duncan, you and I can go on TurboTax and do anything we want to do. Is it the right thing? Well, the return might be completed, but is it the best that it could be? And the answer to that is maybe. I want to make take the maybes out of it and make sure that I have done everything within my, within my power to get my folks to where they're supposed to be through my relationships with others, through the expertise that I bring and my ability to connect those people up with the pros and the techs who can do what they're supposed to do. Well, first of all, <laughs> I had a fascinating conversation with a lawyer not long ago, who, by the way, had the best lawyer jokes I've ever heard. And he was rattling them off. And I, I said to him, I said, boy, you're kind of being hard on yourself. And he said, we are a target-rich environment. All true. <laughs> but here's what's fascinating. We talked about the commoditization of the fee-for-service world. Anybody who thinks for a living in the knowledge-for-profit space. And we talked about AI. And he said AI is going to revolutionize and in many cases brutalize the legal profession because the mystery of what goes on behind the curtain is going to be dispelled and the curtains pulled back. And we talked about the very thing you touched on about the difference between a plan and planning. Creating an estate plan, as an example, has become so commoditized and transactional. But fluid and dynamic planning, based on someone's evolving needs, that can be proprietary to the financial professional. And that's, that's the distinction between buying something 
the commodity versus buying into something, the fluid and dynamic ongoing non-transactional relationship. Uh, as, so, so this is what's going to separate and create a bull market, for lack of a better term, right? That old saying, there's always a bull market somewhere. The bull market for the financial advisor is we get into this accelerated commoditized environment is that is the person that can bookend the art to the science, be very, very proficient at their technical ability, but get the client to appreciate the bedside manner and and all of the high-touch relationship management elements. Now, I'm curious because back to the conversation about more and and just to savor your wins and the things that provide fuel to your, you know, energy and so on. You have horses and cows and bird dogs, and I'm sure it's just a beehive of activity there on your ranch. Uh, listen, I live in town, Duncan. I go keep, listen, that was another thing. I'll just laugh about this and people go, Cardella, what are you talking about? I tell you, this is, this is curious and you might think this is funny, but I know what I'm good at. And I know what I'm not good at. I know what I'm efficient at, at, at doing and what I'm not. Duncan, I am much better off letting somebody else and paying them to take care of my horses and my cows and train my bird dogs and do those things. I'm good at this. Where I am at right here at my desk, I'm good at that. I know, I, I know what to do. Where I kind of fly by the seat of my pants is I've got four little boys. And so I get to learn how to be dad all the time, but, you know, and I get that the feeding the cows and the horses and taking care. I let, I, Cindy, I love her. She takes care of, uh, she takes care of my stuff. So, so yes, she is awesome. I'm smart enough to know what I don't know. And I don't know about that. I let her handle that. <laughs> well, that's symbolic on the whole concept of outsourcing. Right. Like Clint Eastwood said, a man's got to know his limitations. I mean, if you know your strengths and you outsource everything else, uh, everything out, everything else, rather. That's just wise. Um, I want to tell you something. Um, I don't know if you know this story, because I I am becoming, as I get a little bit older, more and more fascinated with horses. So I don't know if you know the story of Pale, the horse. And I might be messing this story up because I'm blanking a little bit, but I believe in Brazil, there's a horse that the owner takes into hospitals. I think I've I think I've seen a video about that. Sure, it is mesmerizing. The horse is not led; it's just free to roam the halls and enter the rooms in the hospital. The energy is is incredible. I saw a video just today that somebody sent me of somebody that uh, brought in a stroller into uh, a stable and just put it in front of the horse with a, a, a new baby. And there was a connection. And the horse actually pulled the stroller closer and did the sniff and... I'm sure they looked into each other's souls. The It was so profoundly powerful. Notwithstanding the fact that you outsource a lot of the day-to-day and the, and the grunt work around your animals, is that a fuel for you, having, having those animals in your life? And so I never thought, Duncan, I'm 45 years old. I had never, ever been on a horse in my life until I was 40. Never had, didn't grow up around them, didn't know anything about them. And I will tell you that if I didn't have anything else to do, I would get, I would go get up in the morning and go to the barn and saddle up a horse. And I would take my lunch and I would get on my horse and I would ride until we both got tired and got a little bit hungry. And then I would sit down underneath the tree and eat my lunch and take a nap. And then I would get back on my horse and I'd ride back to where I came. (laughs) It's so so fun. And the fact that it's a sport that I can 
it teaches you so much. And all of my boys ride except for my baby. He's not quite old enough to ride yet, but I put him in a, in a carrier on the front of me and ride with him. They learn so much and it's a sport and a hobby that we can do together. And there aren't very many hobbies that a 45 year old dad can do with a 14 year old son, a 10 year old son and a seven year old son. And you're all out there enjoying it together and learning so much. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, there, there's just very, not very many places that you can do that. And that is absolutely one of them. So I'm just going to jump ahead and assume that as you as your life and your business became busier and more complex, uh, you started to embrace and deploy process more to liberate yourself to enjoy your own prime time with your family. But also, there's certain expenditures of effort that are fuel. And and so I'm going to assume that in, in your work-life balance, that is tremendous fuel. It it is fuel. Um it it is fuel. Those the times that you get to spend, I don't I don't know about your family, but the you have you have children? I do, yeah. Okay. So when you think about are they are they grown? Are they are they at home? Yeah, they're a little further down the path. They're actual people now, 23 and 21. But I I'll tell you something. I I had no idea how gratifying being a father of adult children would be. I mean, it, it's not unlike my relationships with our clients. I'll be the first to say I get more out of the interactions than they do because of, sure. of what they reveal to me. And I read a quote, uh, I think it was Elon Musk who said, I chose to have kids. They didn't choose to be born. Therefore, they owe me nothing. I know I owe them everything. Uh, and that's I, such I, an there, important mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you think, I, when I think about the fuel piece of it like that, Duncan, I don't, you know, I've been in business now for about 20 years and some of my clients that were in their 60s 20 years ago are in their 80s now. And some and the, and, you know, the ones that are in their 70s, there are a lot of people who are who are gone now, but um, to a person, I don't know any of them who have said as they've gotten older, Matt, I wish I spent less time with my family. I wish I spent less time doing the things with them that, that were important. I wish, I wish that I, Matt, I wish I had worked more and done the fun stuff less. Not, I hadn't met that person yet. I'm sure that there's somebody who's strange that's out there like that, but and so that helps to give me the perspective to, you know, because you learn, like you said, with your kids and I do it for my kids. I do it. For, I learn as much from my people that I have relationships with. I, I'd venture guess I learn way more from them than they learn from me. But you have to be smart enough to know when you need to be learning stuff. And that took me a little yeah. while to learn. <laughs> wow, that's I, I so revealing. Yeah, but, but what yeah, I what I've learned fuel. is just how revealing the interactions are about my own predispositions and wiring and that nurture nature dynamic. And if the clay is soft and there's a level of humility where I'm still prepared, I don't have to be the smartest guy in the room, and I'm prepared to uh, whether it's take some chirping or be called out on things. It's very very powerful and revealing. I will say though, I saw a bumper sticker again not too too long ago, and it said. If I knew having grandkids were going to be this much fun, I would have had them first. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But uh, no. Okay. So we got the personal side. Let's pivot back to the professional side. Sure. I'm curious, specifically, uh, what gaps did you either know existed in your approach or that you became aware of that you wanted to address first? to unlock more within your personal and professional life? Sure. As, as Yvette, who runs my office, she and I have worked together for 20 years. As any relationship that has, that's, that's, that's a long relationship like that, you get to know people very, very well. But you also can get into, I don't know, you can get into some ruts and you can get into some things that it's always been like this and this is why it is because it's always been like this. And when you upset that status quo, um, 
it can be upsetting <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> for fear of not. So I don't want to sound like Yogi Berra or anything, but you know, to upset the status quo can be upsetting because it's upsetting. And uh, so one of my great friends uh, who I spend a lot of time with, he, he's been very, uh, he's been very successful in the construction business. And he always laughs and says, Matt, I want to make sure I am by far the oldest guy in my business. And one time I looked at him, I was like, why, why is that? He said, because all these young people have great new ideas. He said, my ideas are the same old ideas that I've always had. These young people, they got really great ideas. <laughs> and I said, I said, okay, that makes sense. And, and I, I can't, you can kind of carry that into a lot of different directions, but he, uh, learning that you have to have some influx of new ideas and new ways of doing things. You can, you can know what you need to do, but another uh, friend of mine said, knowing something doesn't change anything. You got to do something about it. And uh, so making that decision that we knew we needed to have some defined roles. Also in bringing on, I brought on another new advisor and I brought on another, another, uh, another licensed admin lady here in the office. And so I knew that we had to figure out some ways to define what those roles were, but also to make it to where those people could develop into the next stage and the next stage and the next stage, because I'll, I don't want to be the person necessarily that is making the most money or being the rainmaker forever. I want to have these other people rainmaking and doing these things. I want, I want to see I want to see them grow. I know all the people that have helped me. I want to, I want to do that. I want those people to go, yep, Cardella got me started and look how much farther I've gotten than he has. <laughs> and, and so, and so when I think about that, we had to identify the holes in our process. We had to identify the holes in our organization and we had to identify, all right, what are they? What do we need to do to address them? And am I equipped to address those or do we need to do X, Y, and Z? And so it was, it was, we knew that there were some issues and they weren't big. I mean, we're doing on surface, man, it looks like that's the best, best well-run, well-old machine that there is. But you know, when things aren't quite what they need to be, but you have to be smart enough to know that there's experts that'll help you address them. And that's what Pareto and Jeff, Jeff specifically has done. He, I said, he said, you know, these are the things where you want to start first. And I said, well, I think we need to look at this first. He said, okay, if we get that done, what do we want to do next? And so we just kind of went through and it's developed into, uh, into where we are. It's been awesome. Okay. Good answer. And and that's, that's probably 50% of the clients that we interact with 50% come to us with specific issues others it's more just self-awareness that we want plateau avoidance we want rejuvenation and uh we're not exactly sure where to start but we just know that we can refine and optimize what we do and uh find some efficiency and it's it is very interesting because i'm not sure this applies to you we've had many advisors that wanted to go further up market, especially with business owners and professionals. And they wanted to connect with them on a little bit different level, not just around solely technical ability, but just uh, a camaraderie around we're both running a business and we're both trying to professionalize and standardize this business and add some meaning to our life's work. And so, so, have have you connected with some of your clients on a different level because of you embracing and the clay being softer on business development and practice management? Oh, the answer to that is yes, Duncan. And I I wanted to back up just yeah. The answer to your question is yes. I wanted to back up for just a second. I was reminded of a conversation that Jeff Ambrose and I had um, very early very early on, and it was kind of one of those ones where he asked me the question. I said. I gave him the answer right off the bat. And this is what he said to me. He said, Matt, who do you like to work with? And I said, that's easy. I like to work with people who are nice. I like to work with people who appreciate what I do for them. And I like to work with people who made their own money. I don't really like to work with people as much that, that not, now there's exceptions, but I like the guy or the lady 
who made their own first generation. They have, they have what they have because they learned how to do it. And it's easy to score when you're born on home plate. I like that person who understands and has gotten where they are because they worked it out. And he said, you need to write that down <laughs> and you need to make that part of who you are. And it, as he said, does your CPA and your biggest referral of business, has he ever heard you say that? I said, no. He said, you need to call him as soon as you and I hang up. You need to go see him and you need to tell him what you just said to me. And I said, okay. Duncan, I made, and that was just one of the ahas, but that, and that sounds super simple, but it was very, very actionable. Who do you, who do you like to work with? People who are nice, people who appreciate me, and people who made it themselves. That's simple. That's, that's easy to understand. And if I tell somebody, hey, if I tell my, my good friend and my CPA, Kent, who, who we work very closely together, if I, Kent, have I ever told you who my favorite people to work with are? You had never done that, Matt. They're like you. He smart guy, grew up on a farm, very successful CPA, got a great practice. He did it himself. He built it from this many clients to this many clients. He appreciates the heck out of what I do for him. I appreciate the heck out of what he does for me. We have a great relationship. That's my guy. A customized podcast can add credibility and efficiency to your communication efforts. Sifting good prospects from the mass of suspects, staying top of mind with strategic partners, and activating more advocacy from existing clients can be achieved with a turnkey approach. Learn more at proudmouth.com. Do you aspire to consistently attract and keep great clients while driving the enterprise value of your business? Do you want to achieve professional contrast by supplementing your technical ability with a consistent client experience driven by best practices? The Blue Square Toolkit brings the proven Pareto Systems philosophy and process to life in a way that tethers your team so that you can competitor-proof your clients, gain their full empowerment, and attract quality referrals, all while restoring liberation and order in your life, and all in an intuitive, easy to use turnkey solution. Visit bluesquaretoolkit.com to get your 14-day free trial today. Well, I'm really glad that uh, Jeff helped you land in that sweet spot around the dynamics between the message and the messenger, because you're obviously a very compelling messenger, but it's very common, even subconsciously, to fixate solely on technical ability and core competency. As soon as you focus on some of the nuance around the individual, the person, it's far more compelling. And it's easier for me as a potential advocate to internalize and socialize that. I mean, if I'm if I'm your CPA or an influencer or a client, and I hear you say that, I can, first of all, hear the enthusiasm and the conviction in you saying it. It's so much more powerful than saying, you know, I like to work with clients who have 5 million bucks. Because totally. <laughs> I don't know how much money my friend have I mean, if I'm an accountant, I might know that just based on the technical, but that speaks more to who you're looking for around instead of who you're suited for. When you add in, like, especially first generation self-made, like the scar tissue, the experiential, the resilience and all the qualities that come out of that, as opposed to working with the suddenly affluent found money or whatever the case may be, it's just so much easier to relate to that. And I feel compelled to share that with people that fit your ideal client profile. And the fact that you documented it, you're also turning that from an intention into intellectual property because you've worked it out. If it's in your head, it's a skill, it's an intention. If it's documented, it's part of your process. So much to like 
about that. Now, I'm curious, I want to jump to the conversation about reframing and kind of rebranding and reintroducing yourself to people like that. Now, you mentioned to me earlier that it's bad luck to rename a horse or a boat. Okay, so that's interesting. I've never heard that before, but it does make sense. But it's clearly not bad luck to rebrand and reframe and rejuvenate existing long-term relationships that have maybe grown a little bit too familiar, just to add some energy. Is that something you've uh, deployed in your business? The answer to that is yes, Duncan. We, I've never had an original idea in my life, so I'm going to give credit. I always give credit where credit is due. I've got a great friend of mine. His name is John Crosby. And John and I worked through this concept, and we kind of we came up with it together. And it was the concept of authenticity, what makes us who we are, what we do with those other authentic experiences, relationships, people, and things like that. And what we came up with is real commitments to real people for real causes. Now, when we think about real commitments, it's one thing for me to say, oh, well, if you give me a million dollars in 10 years, we're going to have invested it this way and that, to and you'll be able to retire. Okay, that's great. But are we committed to that? Is that a real commitment? Obviously, the person is real, but is that a real commitment to their success? Well, sure it is, but is that all the commitment is? I mean, are you are you tied to that? Are you fully committed? Are you all in for that? Are we in agreement? Is the cause of taking care of people at a much higher level and a deeper relationship regardless of the money piece, because too many people who do what we do, and I'm not trying to, to, to put myself on a pedestal or something like that, but the fact that so many people will do what you just said, I only work with people who've got 5 million bucks or 10 million bucks, or, well, I can't work with them because, you know, they're in the drawdown stage of their retirement money. I'm not making as much money. I can't spend as much time with them. Okay, that's their decision. But when you're committed on a personal level, to that particular client and on top of that, that they know that you are, you're not their advisor anymore. You're way more than that. You're when I talk about that intimate relationship that you have, when they know that you are committed fully to their success, that there's no plan A, B, C, D, you are the plan. It takes that relationship with, to the, with those existing people to a whole nother place. And it's also a show me, don't tell me because words, I love words. Words are nice. But when you actually make that commitment to that cause of them retiring or passing their money to their to their charity or to funding the endowment or the scholarship, it is a completely different. It's, it, it, you're not the advisor anymore. It's so much more. That I don't even know that there's a name for what we do when it's that. <laughs> I mean, I think advisor cheapens it. If that may, does that make does, does that make any sense? I, I do get that, and I'm all over the place here as I hear you express this. Um, because yeah, especially in this last three years, because of the obvious disruptions, but also just the way things have evolved and people. I think authenticity became a massive unmet need, a gap in people's lives where they realize this world has gotten so cosmetic and superficial. What's real? I mean, what's real and the digital? So so I'm because authenticity attracts authenticity. You it's hard to put your finger on it, but you can feel it, you can sense it. Your instincts are drawn to it. Now, I want to jump back to something. You said real commitment real causes was there a third real there all right so there's real commitments to real people real people and real causes and you hit it on the head duncan because there are so many there are so many opportunities to have artificial commitments <laughs> to artificial people sort of i mean it's are they are we are we 
going to be working on something together? Is it just something, hey, are we are we talking about the weather because you really want to talk about the weather? Or is this just, you know, we're just making conversation? You know, is it a real cause or is this just something that, hey, this is what I think is on my mind today and then tomorrow it'll be something different. Now, this is, and that artificial piece has a, you know, social media and people not meeting in person and, um, and are you really talking to a person or are you talking to AI or chat or is it a bot? Or, I mean, I mean, what, what is it? And, and so, uh, so yes, that authenticity piece of it is, is huge. Matter of fact, Ambrose okay. and I even renamed our, uh, we went from, I don't, I forget what the terminology was. I don't remember if it was, no, it was some kind of statement thing. We just said, no, it's not that the, I don't remember if it was vision or business or where we just called it the authenticity statement. This is what this is. This is this is who we are, and this is what it is. Okay, I love that, and this is where I was going to go. Sure. You know, it's interesting. I've had many conversations with advisors about evolving the bedside manner from small talk, whether just generalities, you know, pleasant stuff, to everything revolving around the client and form. What motivates them? What interests them? What matters to them? Uh, you know, it's interesting, like we expand advisors thinking from, let's not talk about what you do. Let's talk about what it does and how it aligns with what a client wants. And that's why form as a framework is so powerful. My point is you've, you've got your authenticity statement. That's like a, this is who we are. This is our decorum. This is what governs us. I'm curious about actually branding your process, giving it an identity as an intellectual property. And and if you haven't already done that, I think you should revolve it around the word real. You know me well enough by now that I love acronyms. I think real is a perfect framework and acronym to express your process okay so again i know you know this like advisors evolve from a fixation around products pricing and performance to get clients to trust and appreciate the people the practice and the process and the process is an extension of the practice it's a brand within that brand but when i hear you talk about real commitment for real people with real causes i look at the word real and to me the progression, how your process cascades, and then how the loop closes back to the revolving needs are these four drivers, all framed in real. So the first step of your process when you engage with a prospective client is you reveal their gaps, their unmet needs, and areas that uh, you know cause them uncertainty or keep them up at night. Let's reveal what that is. Then let's execute a plan. Let's develop and deploy a plan. And then as your life unfolds, let's keep assessing the plan to make sure that we're out in front of evolving needs. And let's ensure that it liberates you to go live your life. And then I wrote wrote that down. (laughs) So, so, you know, and this is just sort of coming together here, but uh, you know, I, I can, ex- you know, you're a good messenger. You, you like what you do. It doesn't feel like work, but I'm just wondering if it's worth saying to a client in, as part of your evolving reframe, let alone your uh, other service providers that you align with is to say, you know, <clears throat> one of the things we've done is to continually make sure our clients understand and appreciate everything we do as their life unfolds and their needs evolve. So we've engaged with a consulting firm. Uh, We want to make sure that we're not our own best kept secret. The clients have the complete picture. So what we've done is we've developed and refined a panoramic and all encompassing process that's needs-based, values-based and goals-based that will put all the pieces of the puzzle together for a client as their life unfolds and their needs evolve. And we call it the real formula. Okay. Yes. We've been, we've been, yes. Keep going. I'm let this, this, this is good. I'm writing. This is good. 
So we call it the real formula because the heart and soul of our process is real commitment for real people with real causes, but in a way that provides them clarity so they can look to the future with anticipation and reveal, or sorry, real is an acronym that's sort of the, the, the cornerstones of our process, reveal, constantly reveal what the unmet needs are and the gaps in their approach. Execute on those observations by designing and deploying a plan that's specific to the client. And then as their life progresses and often accelerates with complexity, keep assessing the plan and then ultimately ensure that it liberates our clients to go live their lives. And that's why we have second and third generation clients. Now, we call it the real formula because it's a very well-built out process. We are needs-based. We know what our clients' needs are. We're values-based, which means we only align with clients that see the world the same way as us. I mean, they're nice people and they're authentic and they're first-generation hardworking, uh, but they are mindful of where it's all going, especially when it comes to continuity and succession. So we're also goals-based and all of our clients' goals, for the most part, fit in within form, family, occupation, recreation, and money. So, so Matt, I'm just thinking like this might be a way to really punctuate the rebrand, the reframe, and the rejuvenation so that clients understand and appreciate your value fully and completely. They can internalize it. They feel like they belong to something even more meaningful than they initially thought. And it serves as a massive bridge to other strategic partners and uh in terms of professional contrast i mean like you were saying earlier getting an accountant or a lawyer to just sit back and go i have never heard of this depth and breadth of value ever in my career of interacting with financial advisors uh, i think that might be a way to actually give it an identity and some personality that's that's a supplement to what you've already built out. Hey, this was this was worth our time this morning. Thank you. <laughs> I, 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 I like that. I, I wrote I wrote it all down. We're gonna that's that's the next step. Thank you. That's good. Well, stuff. you and Jeff, you you your team and Jeff have already put your business in that proverbial red zone. What I what what just gets me very excited about our interactions with our clients is creating intellectual property proprietary assets as a fee-for-service professional that are yours and as a client i can only get this from you and this has nothing to do with anything promissory around a product how it performs in the short term this is how you decommoditize and demystify your value, and frankly, depersonalize so it's not the Matt show. As a client, I'm not just connected to Matt. I'm That's as connected to the practice and the process as much as I am to Matt and your team. But I, I think, let's make sure we get a recording of this uh, sent over to you and Jeff, and you guys can work on this if you guys want to bring me in to sort of round it out. That'd be um, awesome. And, and make sure when we're done, you don't hang up right away because I've got one more thing I want to add to this when we're done. But I love hearing the feedback when a financial professional goes back to long-term relationships that they've had for 7, 17, 21 years. And in a strategy and tactical meeting, they just simply say, look, you know, I just want to make sure you have the complete picture. There's no mystery and you know where this is going. Let me reintroduce you to our value. And there's parts of our value in our process that aren't relevant to you yet, but as your life unfolds, I just want to make sure you've got the complete picture. And then reframing. So I know you've entered into that uh, world. What kind of feedback have you received from clients who who basically thought they knew you but now they really get it. What kind of feedback have you received from them? 
as you can imagine, Duncan, when people people that you've done this level of work for, mm-hmm. you're not just their advisor. It's way more than that. That's 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 a big deal. When we think about those people who you have done this work for in some form or fashion, they understand and appreciate what I'm going to call our top tier folks. We've been doing this for them for a very long time before it had a name. You know, you, you, you've been doing this because this is just what we do. This is, this is what we do. This is why we do it. But now it has a name. And so because we've gone back through and reintroduced it, they have always known what we've done, but now they have identified kind of, I always think about it like this. I had, uh, if you, if you've never had a white F-150 pickup truck and you buy a white F-150 pickup truck, all of a sudden, every place you ride down the road, you see all the other F-150 white pickup trucks. All of a sudden you're so aware of, you're like, there's one, there's one, there's one. And you got, you never noticed them before. When I bring it to the attention of our clients and I not necessarily remind them, but we go through, all right, has anything changed with, with your beneficiaries? Do we need to add anybody to your trust? Do, is there anything that's changed with, you know, we, we visited your health directive two years ago. Do you still feel like these particular pieces? Well, you know what? Maybe nothing has changed, but when they go to their coffee group or their golf group or their card group, and they start talking about stuff. You know, Matt went through my health directive the other day. Do you have a health directive? Well, yeah, I do. Well, how old is it? Well, well I don't know. I did it 10 years ago. You you need to do that one. Who, who helps you with yours? Well, Matt helps you with everything. Why he ought to be helping. Yeah, it's it's the they had it, they didn't know. Now all of a sudden they're aware of it. Okay. And then the only about- thing I would add, the only thing just to pounce on that, I yeah. want your clients to go further with that and say, sure. You need to address that. And Matt has a process that will address that for you. It's I wanted to actually go further than Matt will help you with that. Matt has a process that will help you with that. I want your clients bought into the thing that you've developed. That's a great point. Okay. (laughs) Back to the F-150. I saw (laughs) one. I saw one the other day. It was the F-150E. And I'm thinking that seems wrong, but hey, what do I know? I'm just I haven't bought into that yet. The electric pickup truck, or I can't the, pull a horse. I can't pull a horse trailer with a golf cart, so I don't. I don't know how it. All, I don't know how it all works. Okay, thank you for rounding that out for me. Perfect. I'm curious. Okay, so through through the client lens, the more they internalize the process. It helps them understand trajectory. And what's interesting about trajectory in life, critical life events, moments of truth, milestones, setbacks, things happen that nudge us off course. And the more bought into the process I am, the faster the mid-course correction occurs to get me back on track. Because I call up Matt and I say, Matt, hey, Long-term care, is that part of the process? Because I was talking to my wife over the weekend and I'm just, as opposed to the client calling up saying, hey, Matt, uh, I bought long-term care and I just wanted you to know that I got it from somebody else. Like it's the mid-course correction dynamic is so incredibly powerful. And that's why the imprinting, We've got a process in place. That's We don't help people. We have a process that helps people, you know, those types of imprints. But from your perspective and, and through the lens of Matt, as you further embrace being process-driven, does it amplify your own sense of purpose, fulfillment, and relevance in your client's life? Does it liberate you to go deeper into that bedside manner and the things that give meaning to this? Without, without a doubt. it. T- you know, when you've done a good job, you've done a good job. When you have, when you, when you look at something and you go, I did a good, I did a good job with that. That's great. When somebody else looks at something and they look at it and they go, you know what? Matt did a really good job on this. And you know, we see everybody's work. I see the CPA's work. 
I see the attorney's work. I see every, I see everybody's work. And guess what? They see my work too. Mm-hmm. So when I think about I, when I think about when a job well done, a job well done is great. But when what you actually did makes a difference in the lives of that person or that person's family, it wasn't just that you did a good job in in developing the plan or executing the process. You took it from the very beginning and you saw it through to the very end. And a lot of times with our clients, the ones who have aged, have been with us a long time, we're taking that from the beginning of retirement till the day that they die. Mm-hmm. And when you have, when you have been a, a, the quarterback, the driver, the coach, the whatever of this, and you put those things into place that you made sure that at the very beginning that they had an income stream that they couldn't outlive. You also made sure my great friend, Jerry, who passed uh, back in January, his number one goal, Duncan, number one goal from the time we started working together 15 years ago, Matt, when I'm gone, I want to make sure that my wife has got enough money. And of course, they're sitting there in the same room at the same conference table. And she's going, oh, honey, that's not going to, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. But he's very serious when he says, I want to make sure that Crystal has enough money. And that was his, that was his, that was his number one. Okay, got it. Well, guess what? We made sure that she not only had enough money, that their children had enough money. We made sure that when he, when his health started to fail, that we had the game plan already in place about how we were going to pay for it and specifically who was going to take care of it. We also had the game plan in place that when he left planet Earth, these were the things that were going to happen. And guess what? When I went to his, to his house after he passed, his wife is sad. His family is sad, but they're not worried about money. And that's different. <laughs> when you know that everything is okay and they know that everything is okay, everybody there knows that they're in a better position because they followed the process that you took, that journey that you walked that mile with them. You didn't just say, oh, well, go get this done at the lawyer's office and then let me know how it is. Go get this done at the account. When you walked them through every step and you went to the lawyer's office and you went to the accountant's office and you sat with their children and then it's at the done. I mean, how can how can you not feel this right here for those folks? Well, game change. Matt, the feel. Okay, I will never trivialize the technical impact, the measurable impact, the quantitative impact results that a financial professional provides, but understanding the why, how dynamic, not just how you do it, but why it's important to a client and the qualitative. I love when a financial advisor tells me about their monetary milestone that they achieved, a breakthrough they acquired. I love that. Sure. I love it more when an (laughs) advisor tells me, I love what I do. I've never loved what I do more than I do now. And then they get granular and they say, I am more present at the birthday parties, the retirement parties, the graduations, the weddings, the christenings, the funerals, the events that I get invited to by my clients. Uh, I'm I'm more present because I understand the role I played and my clients are so generous with pointing me out I do. in those settings. Uh, I, I heard one the other day about a retirement party and literally the uh, person who retired was assembled and saying some words and he was absolutely uh, adamant about making sure everybody in that room knew yes. the rule, the role the financial advisor played yeah. in that achievement. And I mean, I'm sure to hear the advisor describe that, <laughs> you feel it. So I love that. So, I mean, uh, this is, this has just been very, rewarding and validating for me, Matt. And uh, I'm I'm glad that we got this scheduled in. Awesome. Appreciate any, you. Any, 
any uh, closing call to action? How can people find you, by the way, first of all, uh, if they want um, to pursue this and learn I'm more easy. about you? I'm, I'm uh, mattcardella.com. Uh, Raymond James actually has a directory, too, and I'm just it's mattcardella at raymondjames.com is my email. But, yeah, you can go to my website. It's just www.mattcardella.com, and uh, it'll take you there. The, be- the best part, though, Duncan, I- and Jeff laughs at me when I say these kind of things, but, you know, we-, we do a good job. Please don't misunderstand. We do a good job. I-, I do. I personally do a good job. I'd be remiss. Yvette, who runs my office, I cut up about this, but it's mostly true. People don't work with me because it's me. People work with me because of her and because of the other behind the scenes stuff. You know, that's one of the things that we talked about that Jeff and I work through with these processes and these roles and things. A lot of times we tend to look at things in a very, in you know, in an analytical kind of sense about, okay, mm-hmm. uh, this is the dollars, this is the cents. Y'all, we're in the people business. We're in the client people business and we treat our clients like people, I mean, we should, most people do, I hope. We treat our clients not by how much money they make us, but what we get to do for them. And I think about that same idea with the people who work for us, who work on our team in our office. You know, they're, they're, those relationships, I think that there's a whole nother dynamic that's there. We get so focused on the client and what we're doing for them. But I think about how much more I should and could work on those same processes that we work on to help our clients to work on those on how we handle things in our office to deepen those office relationships in the same kind of way that we do stuff for our clients. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. And you're reminding me of, uh, I've been asking advisors this question for years. I, I say, look, one of our goals is to make you obsolete, which means your business <laughs> is productive without you being present. Sure. And then the question I'll ask and, I asked it not long ago, and it was so comical because I said to the advisor, and his his Yvette was on the call too. Sure. Okay. So I said to the advisor, I said, what does it look like if you took a month off tomorrow? What does that look like? <laughs> and his Yvette actually uncontrollably kind of snickered and giggled. And there was a pause And the advisor was very gracious because he said, essentially, that's a scary thought. But the only thing scarier than that is what happens if Yvette took a month off tomorrow? And I don't even really know what she does, but our clients love her. It was a very poignant moment on many levels, HR, but the authenticity part the humility, the just being so gracious and giving it away in terms of, uh, you know, honoring everyone's role. It's, it's such a powerful statement. So I'm glad you're there as well. And uh, you're, I'm, I'm glad you appreciate Yvette. And obviously it's a two way street because she's been there for 20 years. So uh, you've created a culture and an environment where she can thrive too. So that's terrific. So I just love having conversations with advisors that have broken out of the mindset of a book of business to an actual business. They run the business like a business. They think like an entrepreneur and all the benefits that come from that reality. So Matt, thank you very much. I hope I can get out to your part of the world and uh, we can cross paths personally, but uh, in the meantime, don't go away because I want to talk to you a little bit further, but uh, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Always On with Duncan McPherson, where our objective is to enable professionals to always be working on their business and on themselves. Want to learn more about Duncan and his team? Visit ParetoSystems.com. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Pareto Systems. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast is powered by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. If you're like me and want to spend more time educating people and less time selling, Proudmouth helps turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. They will help amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans. Visit Proudmouth.com to learn more.